Wake up to my alarm at 8.45. It's news to talks and it's rise and shine. And welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber. My name is Larry Wu. And uh, and I'm Curtis Withers. Uh, Larry, I think, um, as you well know, The Rock, he's uh, been in a few in a few matches. He's been in a, in a few I Quit matches, or at least uh, one prominent I Quit ma- match with uh, Mankind. And uh, I think what's interesting is that he he refuses to this day to quit, <laughs> and he does. In, in no matter no matter what what people say or do to him. So you're you're referring to People's Magazine article where they I, I'm surprised they still do this to this day. Anyways, where they um, sexiest man alive of uh, 2019, but in 2020, Michael B. Jordan is named sexiest man alive by people magazine. And um, so the rock posts like a congratulatory, you know, post to him. And then he writes at the bottom, I concede nothing. Yep. And, and I really would like to see the criteria for how they choose um, the most sexist man alive at people magazine. Cause I bet you it's rife with corruption. <laughs> right. Like, like you don't think it's a post office and, you you don't think there's a fair criteria and and a judging going judging piece going on? No, I don't. I don't think I don't think that there is. I think The Rock has a case. I think The Rock has a far better case than than, than Trump. Than Trump. <laughs> Start. Yeah, that's no knock on Michael B. Jordan. I, I hey, I, if Michael B. Jordan, fair and square, won the People's Sexiest Man Alive vote, then I'd give it to him. But I just I I just think we need more transparency. We need to see. We need to see the votes. We need to, we need to see the votes and who else that made the list. Like you're right. Like could the Rock had won another term as sexiest man alive? I don't, I don't I don't know these things, right? I don't. And and is it and is it is it for sure or do the or do we have to wait till it goes to the electoral college of People Magazine? Oh no no no! It's, it's 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 published. It's it's, it's published. In the annals of time now. I don't think I don't think the Rock can do much about it except state his case. Or or try to or try to do up up his sexiness for next year maybe. He could do that. <laughs> I, I I have faith that he will do that. Well, I'm, I'm glad the Rock won't concede either. But uh, I don't think there's much left for the angry orange at this point, right? Like it's a done deal, right? Like everyone's just like, can we go home now? Like it's a done deal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it should be, but he's still go banging on about it and uh i mean the the problem is is that he has people in his corner like i think generally if it was anyone else they would just say hey look we had a good run you know it's over but you know it's trump he's got this weird cult of personality thing going and there's people who still really want to indulge him in this so it's gonna go on until i don't know i like I don't know how long it's going to go on for. Like, I think it. I think I think he'll be complaining about it well into the first term of. So, so question. I I don't know if it's more ceremonial or it must be only ceremonial. So obviously the the um, the uh, last sitting president is usually at the next president's inaugural inauguration, right? Mm-hmm. So the question, first question to you, Curtis, is: Will Trump be there? I mean, I don't like as of right now. I don't think he would. But then I could see him him going there if if there was some way that he could that he could tor- torque it. You know what I mean? Like, so what you're saying is, if he shows up, it's going to be like the beginning of his 2024 campaign speech. Yeah, actually, that, that's one thing that I heard today is that he's going to announce like his 2024 plans on Inauguration Day to try to take some of the the steam away from the Biden inauguration. I think that's probably a more likely scenario than him so, going to the inauguration. So, so how about this scenario? Um, will it be the gong or do you think they'll break out the long hook? I think the I think the long the long hook. I think I, I think I think I like you know sort of like a vaudevillian style like yeah. Yep. I think that's perfect. I I I hear you. I I, I or um 
who was that 70s uh musician actor that's that was always on the gong show panel do you remember williams mm. oh i was gonna say john williams not john williams but uh on any case forget about it gong show <laughs> maybe we should do an episode so talking long. about the gong show and 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 how actually that 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 concept exists today i guess in a way um like america's got talent and all those kind of variety-esque talent shows that all exist they they're it's basically modern day gong show right yes yes except without the prop (laughs) just which is you know the only reason i watched it as a kid Mm. um can't wait till they gong this fool Yep, get him off, get him off. Was it Homer and Barney in the... Uh... Oh, the, the they were playing the harmonica, the large harmonica, and they were in like a a, a massive, one massive pair of overalls. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right. <laughs> and now they drew, the, they drew the person in that I was thinking about. Oh, I'm, I'm going to kick myself because I, I, I have the guy's name. Is it Paul Williams? Paul. Oh. Is that yeah. the guy? Wait, was it the guy who was in uh, the Phantom of the Paradise? That yes, guy? exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think it is Paul Williams. Oh, there you. Oh, good, nailed I it. Think, yeah, so that, Phantom that, that, of the that, Paradise. It was always so, on late great movies. I, I, I had this weird fascination with Phantom of the Paradise in university. Like, I thought it was a, a pretty good movie. Like, just for like again the kitsch value, and oh yeah, it actually for kitsch value, it isn't bad. Uh, but um. You and I talk quite a bit of Star Wars in this in our podcast, and we probably we will be talking a lot more down the road when we start uh, looking at uh, the Mandalorian, which uh, I think we might as well just say spoilers right now. Um, but uh, sad news that uh, David Prowse, so the physical embodiment of the original Darth Vader, uh, passed away yesterday at eighty five. Mm-hmm. No, we could all be so lucky. Um, so David Prowse played in the original three. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the Darth Vader suit, you know, all six, seven of him. Um, uh, he didn't do the voice, which was kind of an important kind of a, a thing in history with Star Wars, right? Like they, I think you and I were talking off air that as far as we know, that George Lucas never had the intention of using his voice, though he was kind of thinking that they were going to use his voice, which didn't he have like this really, really, really thick British accent? Yeah. Birmingham accent. I think it was. Oh, yeah. so he, so that, that's, that's the, is that the mumbly one? It's a, it's uh Aussie's, I think a Brummie. I think he's from Bur- like that kind of a oh, okay. accent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, not what you think of when you think of Darth Vader. It's like you know, some guy trying, some guy trying to start a fight with you outside the chip shop. Well, and and he he's he was quite bitter about that throughout the years, right? Like, yeah, uh, I think I think so. But like, then he also he also kept coming back for the paycheck. So I don't know how. And like, he doesn't improve. Like, like you know, when you when you see the Star Wars credits, like James Earl Jones is credited very high up in the you know and uh he, he, this guy you know the, the like darth vader's physicality is a huge part of the character so you can understand maybe why he he feels a little bit slighted over over that but um you know he he, he still kept uh kept showing up for the paycheck so well uh if um if you want to see some of that bitterness, um, you should check out L Street 1976. Uh, it's a kind of a bizarre Star Wars documentary uh, about making a new hope, but it's about and it's about all the side characters. So it's none of the major actors; these are all the people behind the mask. So this is they talk to the guy who played Greedo, talk to a bunch of stormtroopers. David Prowse, uh, Jerry Mul- Jeremy Bullock, who plays Boba Fett or in the costume of Boba Fett, and just how this this the the movies kind of gave them unlikely celebrity, I guess. 
because people would like you you were talking about a great story last time in our last episode about david prouse mm-hmm. um, still signing autographs right people people oh, yeah. and, and same with jerry b bullock right like hey oh my god you're the guy who was in the boba fett costume yeah oh yeah yeah for sure you yeah. know i bet you like the guy who played like captain nita and admiral piet they probably do they probably do they probably do the uh the convention circuit i'm sure Oh, all those guys. Well, I, I don't. I think he passed away, but he had a decent acting career. It was uh, uh, I forgot his real name, but the gentleman that plays General Veers. Yeah, uh, he was in Indiana Jones um, in the Last Crusade. He was the he was the ultimate villain in that as well. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Don't don't, don't hurt yourself, Curtis. <laughs> it's okay. Well, I gotta just you better you better have that one ready just for trivia night because someone's gonna probably pop that out, <laughs> and you better be ready for it. Um, but uh, yeah, sad news for Star Wars fans. Uh, David Prowse passed away at eighty five. Thank you for being in the suit because you know his his body acting in the first couple of movies were were decent, like you know as as decent as you can be, but. You know, there's still some iconic, you know, gestures that he made, right? Like oh, for finger sure. pointing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite scenes and whether or not, you know, he he obviously was told to do it. But, oh, my God, I, I get a kick out of watching it. It's at the end of Empire Strikes Back. And the the heroes are trying to get away. Um, and Vader says, OK, let's let's reel them in. We, we know the. Millennium Falcon's not going anywhere, and the Falcon makes the jump, and Invader like looks into deep space, like turns around, and then takes a second look. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that kills me every <laughs> single time. I I have to point that every time I watch Empire Strikes Back. But like, oh man, that that rocks. That rocks my world. Uh, Ju- little... Julian Glover is the guy who played. General that's right. Years. But apparently, he's not dead. Okay. Apparently he's got he's got a couple of uh, he's still working. Oh wait, wasn't he? Did he have a role in Game of Thrones? Maybe you, that's are, are you why. on his IMDb? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, oh yeah, he was Grandmaster Pycelle. So he had a, that's they, right. He, that was a pretty big character. Yeah, thirty-one episodes. Wow, there you go. That's Ooh, right. Dirt. He played played dirty old man and <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pisa was a dirty man. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was not a great guy. <laughs> there's no there's no redeeming values for them. But yeah, I because I, I remember I went oh my god, it's General Veers. Oh, he's naked. General or, Veers is uh, he was like one of the most competent guys in the Empire. He was the only one in the Empire in in terms of movie format that actually launched a, an offensive that actually was victorious. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you know. All right, let's um, let's head to the headlines, uh, and we'll come back to Star Wars in a second. Um, I don't really have a specific headline. This is more of like a series of events that happened earlier this week, uh, revolving around Adamson's barbecue. Yeah. Um, so much to unpack here. Uh, <laughs> I I remember seeing on Sunday the Instagram post. Of him saying, uh, it's like him in his car, possibly high, and he's just going on and on and on. And he said he was going to be opening that Monday, um, where so Toronto was supposed to... to be under lockdown Monday, um, right, right. and and wackiness ensues. Yeah, it's uh, it got it got very silly. This whole thing, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, it was it was one of those those stories that made me very sort of angry, you know that uh, that this guy was being held held up as a as a hero in some circles. Did you see the video? I think it was the wet. So so Monday he opens, he gets like a warning or whatever. Tuesday he opens, he gets some fines and he gets a warning, you know. Wednesday he shows up, the cops are already there. He somehow like sweet talks his way into the into the back room and then he busts through the drywall 
And these guys come in carrying like, you know, trays of meat and stuff. So you know, like he's he's absolutely focused 100 percent on on being a shit disturber. That's all it is. He does. He's not a hero. He's you know, not he's doing not, this he's for not a other martyr. businesses. Yeah. He's not a martyr to small businesses. So you're you're right. So the story I had, I understood was so Monday was Monday. People were just confused. The cops didn't know what to do. No one knew what to do. Um, and Tuesday, similarly, but I think they didn't prepare enough food. And I think they sold out and he closed anyways. And I don't know if that was the story, whether they closed them down or that he ran out of food. I, I, I heard mixed things. But you're right. They changed the locks for Wednesday. And he was allowed to go in and get some personal items from the office. And that's where, as far as he was supposed to go. But you're right. There was like a busting of drywall and bringing in of brisket. Like he had full intention of, I don't know how he was going to serve it in the police blockade because, you know, you talk about um, spending a lot of money on COVID measures and whatnot. How much did that cost taxpayers that day? Because it was not like one or two cops. Mm -hmm. Like it was like a small garrison. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and now you're right. The anti-maskers are kind of touting him as kind of a hero martyr. And like, he really isn't like he, he raised some interesting points. Unfortunately, he just went completely one way too far. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, you can argue about the effectiveness of this lockdown that we're in. And he does raise some good points about that. So, you know, but that's not really what he's about. He, like, like that, that, that uh, Adamson's barbecue wasn't even open generally on Mondays and Tuesdays. You know, right. like it's, they have weird hours to begin with. It's generally a takeout restaurant. So like his business, his business model is not going to be affected by, by the lockdown. He can still do takeout. He can still do delivery, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he's just doing this because he wants the attention and he knows that he can tap into the resentment and the anger that people have because of you know because of covid fatigue and all this kind of stuff and he and he did like if you go to his this adam skelly i think is his name if you go to his twitter page right now like like in his in his like bio he's like against everything mainstream media and all this kind of stuff like he's just he's like one of these cartoon character guys now like this isn't (laughs) this isn't this isn't about feeding his family this isn't about taking a stand for business this is about him getting attention and you know i guess like when he's back in business he's going to be a favorite amongst that group now he's also probably lost some potential customers who don't want to eat at his place after after those stunts that he pulled so i guess that time will tell whether or not it it worked out but i mean you know i think i think uh given that they set up a gofundme page by the way which i think was was started by a guy in calgary like a weird amount of albertans are really into this guy right because 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 of politics um and uh and like yeah he made i don't know like fifty thousand. it made like fifty thousand, maybe even more so Uh, more importantly i i I haven't ate at uh his his establishment there is one near ish to me he has a location in leeside Mm-hmm. Um, so I've heard it's meh, yeah. um, but also I don't think he needs your money. And that's why he was that, that outlandish Curtis. Cause, uh, mm-hmm. my understanding is, um, dad bank rolls, everything and yeah, the building comes... in, in Etobicoke, I think was bought for him. Yeah. Um, so for him, it's like, well, there's no loss here. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy for him to to take this kind of stand, and I don't know, like th- that's why I don't think it's going to spread. You know, that was a concern, and I think it's a reasonable concern is that other companies are going to follow suit. But I just don't think that they're they're uh, 
as insulated against idiocy as his oh. is. So, so they have to they have to be. But you know what an interesting offshoot of this was? It's like I got really hungry for barbecue after all this. Now, now question, have you been to have you been to the south to have barbecue in the south? Uh I have uh I have not had like Texas barbecue in, in okay. the south. I've had the uh, I've had like in Colorado I've had Nashville style barbecue but it's probably like not the best approximation. So I've been to Austin, Texas, and I've had a barbecue there. And I went to a place called the Ironworks, which I'll tie this back to Star Wars. That's why I wanted to bring it up, where Peter Mayhew's actually eaten. There's an autographed photo of Chewbacca in this <laughs> establishment. It's in downtown Austin. Go check it out. If anything, Chewbacca gave it the thumbs up, or Peter Mary, he gave it a thumbs up. Uh, rest in peace. Um, but uh, yeah, it, m- me too. In a way, I was like, oh, brisket would go down really well right now, or some ribs. <laughs> well, I went to a place. There's a place, and I'll give it a quick shout out while while we're here. Uh, that's just around the corner from me. Called they have two locations now. It's it's an East End place called the uh, Beach Hill, and uh, the guys who run it, I think, are originally from the dallas area mm-hmm. um and it's really good it's really good the people who run it uh seem really really nice and they don't do any of this bullshit and uh and so that's that was an interesting offshoot for me was people were posting their you know uh, other barbecue alterna- alternatives and i wonder if they got an uptick i'm know, sure i'm sure <laughs> well he yeah like i he just went at it the wrong way. You're right. Um, there are some issues that people are finding with this lockdown here because it's not completely widespread. It seems to be like this um, generalized brush that was painted across a whole bunch of establishments. Um, so, for example, um, essentials are still allowed. But here you have stores like Walmart who sell food, sure, but they also sell TVs and PlayStations and um, other household goods like decorations and things like that. So the stores that would normally focus on those are not allowed to open, but Walmart is because they're allowed. They have food, which is you got to question that. Now I'm not advocating. Oh, they should block off those sections of the store, but but that's where the problem in the current rule that there is. Um, I was kind of thinking, you know, fine. It is what it is, but I would have thought, can an approach not work where it's similar to um, like the Dine Safe program that we have in the city, where you have this green tag for all eating establishments to say, yeah, you're safe. Like, couldn't we just allow restrictive entry, like, you know, in terms of size and how big your place is and how many people you're allowed in and just deploy these people out and just shut people down if they're breaking rules. Like I know they want to kind of contain spread, which is, but it's kind of difficult when you, unlike March where you told people stay home, Mm -hmm. like people are like, people are still being out and about, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't know if the messaging is as succinct as it was back in March and April. No, I don't think so. And and also like the the thing the thing that I find sort of puzzling about this lockdown is like you're closing places like like for example the florist ac- across the road from me, right? Like you know they they would only have like one or two people in there. Mm-hmm. You know, probably even in non-COVID times, and definitely in COVID times, they they live in the. Like, what are the chances that you're going to pick pick up COVID nineteen in like a little store, um, you know, on the Danforth or whatever that is only letting in like one person, two people in at a time? Um, it just doesn't seem like that's the problem, and I don't know why those places are 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 getting punished 
and, and, and you're it's not like you're hanging out at the floors for two hours oh i'm right. sure some i'm sure people do but yeah. in this day and age <laughs> because that's the that's where the risk is right like they, they it's always been said it's it's small areas um and you're there for a long time sharing the same air and obviously if you're not masked then it's a totally different story but mm-hmm. um i yeah i i i i'm i'm with you on that i i think um I think you'll probably see it change before the 28 days are over. I hope so, because it doesn't really make any sense. Like, I, d- I don't think that's going to give you a, a big, I don't think that's going to, that's going to like, you know, cut down on cases, you know, closing those places. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not, I don't think where the spread is happening. Yeah. Not so here's, here, here's another um, oddball scenario. Um, you and I can't get our haircuts. But I can send my pet dog to get his haircut. Now I realize it's 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 different and it's an animal, but that also means that um, I can still get a therapeutical massage. Right? If you're an RMT, the the school and and then the the and the uh, controlling body has said, yeah, you can still function. So you could still get like physio, all that. You can, you can, you can still get physio, which, which is important. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying shut them down too, but it's, Mm -hmm. this is where the confusion sets in, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, the places like uh, Canadian Tire that that sell essentials, whatever, but they also sell household goods. Like people are getting their Christmas shopping done (laughs) by going to Canadian Tire or or Walmart. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, you know. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of thinking about that because as convenient, as nice as Walmart is for a lot of things, I don't want it to be the only store that at the end of this exists that that's existing in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a, that's, that's a legitimate concern. Well, um, though, yeah. And speaking about a small business, I I'm going to, reach out to them and see if they're interested in coming onto the show. This is just more of a producing item that we talk to. So you and I both know the store Gamerama, right? Mm-hmm. So these guys actually have a YouTube channel where they play retro games. So I guess it's like a, a let's play channel that they run. And they, I guess they film it in the basement of the store. So um, I went there recently and maybe I should I'll save this for our video game segment, but um, I'm thinking we should bring these guys on one day. Small business, same thing. They would have been locked down. I went in before the lockdown because I, I needed something bef- uh, if in case this was going to be a lot longer. But I'll, I'll I'll mention it in our video game section. Yeah. But uh, uh, closing out the Adamson guy, I don't think it's going to be the last time we hear from him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls off some other weird stunt. It's just it's just too bad, like that everything just gets so hyper politicized so quickly. Like I know that this guy has had problematic social media messages before and and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, nobody really knew who he was. And then he does this and you get like, you know, the, the Toronto sun columnists, like, you know, talking about his, uh, his heroic defiance and you get, you know, you get like the QAnon guys and you get the anti-maskers. You've got some like actual racists. Like, you know, there was one guy who showed up and somebody found pictures of him, like hanging out with David Duke, like wearing a Stormfront t-shirt and stuff like, like these, 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 this is going to be, these are going to be your guys. If this is the way you're going to, you're going to like act, this is going to be your guys. And if you're fine with that, then I guess you're fine with that, but you, you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna lose, uh, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna lose some potential customers as well oh. as I guess, like maybe become the barbecue joint of choice for, you know, rebel I'm, media I'm, and guys like that. I, I'm thinking for, for the next episode, we need to both have barbecue at two different spots and we can review the barbecue place. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we can do, yeah. Like, um all right let's let's head let's 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 head on to the next headline the next headline is kind of um more towards talking about the mandalorian because but 
um, not this past week's episode, but the week before, I wanted to talk about Gene's guy. Yeah, he uh, he became a a, a media sensation uh, for, so, for for a day. So this is the episode, um, the siege, right? Um, where he where Mando returns back to uh, Navarro, and there's this scene where they're going through this imperial base that's been ab- supposedly abandoned, and they realize it is not. Um, and there's this uh, scene where there's clearly a, a production person in the background. Like you don't really see the, his face, right? No, we, we I, see, we like see a leg, leg. Yeah. Let's see. and the fallout is fantastic because internet people just love doing this type of stuff. So Curtis, why don't you let us know what, what, what came out of the, what came out of it? Well, the, the, the one that, uh, that I really liked was somebody made like the, um, like the, like like the Star Wars figure with the Kenner sort of cardboard back, and uh, they made a they made a jeans guy uh, action figure, um, and uh, so it's got like the uh, it's it's got like like the like the the picture of because uh, isn't it like uh, isn't isn't it like um, uh, Cara Dune and uh, and, and grief cargo are firing guns and you just say, see that this, this like leg. Yeah. You, you, you kind of see like the, the guy's shoulder arm and leg kind of creeping out. And he's, he's clearly not in, he's, he's clearly in everyday clothing. You can't see his face. He's just, yeah. Whether then, he's controlling the door, maybe he is. I, I have no idea, but then, then the, the, uh, the figure, it looks like, like an old adventure people, uh, action figure. Oh with with like a column in obstructing like most of his body except for one shoulder and and the and a leg uh, and wearing the, jeans with a sensible loafer the, the the detail of the of the watch is a nice touch <laughs> that's right yes <laughs> i never noticed that till now the the <laughs> retro collection jeans guy so uh i i love one of the other reactions which is um they're making fun of uh rogue one which is 40 years from now, they're going to do a Star Wars story of about the Mandalorian, which is uh, like Mandalorian from a, from a certain point of view. And it'll, in one of the stories will be the guy in the jeans. Yeah. And, and how he watched it unfold. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you were mentioning the QAnon people. So, you know, I'm sure the QAnon people also exist in the Star Wars world. So the theory is the character that's wearing jeans in the Mandalorian is the same guy who left the Starbucks cup in game of Thrones. Right. Yeah. And that guy is actually Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was that, that was that episode, but we have to talk about this week's episode. So I, I'll, this will be kind of a, a bit of a review slash headline but uh i want to talk about this one so uh this is mandalorian's uh episode the jedi um so basically mando and the child go to another planet in search of uh ahsoka tano which which he got the lead from bo katan in two episodes ago and I think I just say spoilers from here on because there's not much more you could say. Yeah, there's a lot of spoilers. Um, it is being touted as probably the best episode that they've made. And people are actually saying it could be the best Star Wars thing ever made, like almost period. Like, because it was pretty exciting. It was it was fun. There were some funny scenes in it. Um, this is, they took a big chance taking a cartoon character and bringing it to live action. Because there's a lot of people invested in Ahsoka, in terms of her cartoon character, and it's uh, played by Rosario Dawson. Um, so first off, the the controversy is they didn't let uh, Ecclestone Eccleston, um, who is who did the voice of Ahsoka since day one, um, but she's like this very tiny blonde woman, and <laughs> I think it just didn't work. So you know first controversy is people freaking out that she's not in it but you know mm. there's always gonna be star wars people freaking out in it but uh 
Um, lots happened in this episode, including revealing the child's name That's and right. some backstory. That's right. Yeah, are we allowed to say it? Yeah, sure. Gro- Gro- I said spoilers from here. Grogu. Grogu. It works. It works for me. I like it. Yeah, Grogu. it's it's fine. So you know, the backstory is Grogu has been around since day one. So he was in the Jedi Temple during Order sixty six, apparently. And uh, <laughs> and has been suppressing his the use of his powers. Which, which I, you know, hey, you know, take a bit from Luke in Last Jedi. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'll buy it. Sure, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to talk about Anakin slaughtering younglings or whatever. But sure, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. You know, he was, he's somewhat trained because it only makes sense because even if someone must have told him, hey, you can do this with the Force. I don't think it's something that you're just kind of born and you know to do it, right? That's that's the whole point of training to become a Jedi, right? I to guess it, I control. Guess it depends how, how much you take the last scene in the, the Last Jedi to heart. Oh, uh, yeah, like that one? No reference. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll go on record right now, Curtis. That scene is going nowhere. <laughs> there's no, there's no, hey, this kid's going to suddenly show up in another movie, whatever. <laughs> You know, um, so Grogu has been in hiding. I don't know how you hide when you're kind of like the the shape he's in. So I, you assume that he, someone was like his custodian, right? Like someone was looking after him and then something happened to that person and, you know, or he got passed around from someone caring for him from here to here. But, um, but Ahsoka oh. gets this not in a, a direct conversation, but you know, I guess they were kind of force mind meld. Yeah. <laughs> uh, without saying mind meld, because that's what the, that's what she was, she was saying. She was just saying, "Oh, I, we were interpreting each other's feelings," which is fine. I, I think that's you know, if you want to fill in some backstory about Grogu, I I'll buy it. Um, how he's been hiding for the last. How many years is it supposed to be? Well, at the in the first episode, like, like the Mandalorian sent to retrieve him for the for uh, for Werner Herzog's character, who's like in the Empire. Like, was he at one time like caught by like being experimented on by the Empire, and then and then so and then that got, like lifted from them or something. Uh, so that got revealed a bit in the siege, which is the week before that episode that they were. And this is where I started cringing. Cause I went, don't tell me they were trying to draw blood and draw, do a man, uh, a transplant. And, and they, then they said they did, but it failed. Right. So maybe, maybe the, the, that's, that's, that's the interpretation of the empire and thinking, Oh, they can give people force sensitivity if they, draw blood from someone who is force sensitive and put it in someone else. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know, but that, that's, that's the sense that you get. That's the reason why they're after the child. Mm-hmm. Cause it's the last known force sensitive person that the empire is aware of. Right. So, um, but so that, so they never had him in custody, but they knew where he was because he got, he was, uh, sent they sent uh, the mando and the ig88 so yeah because they they have those that transmitter so somehow i guess you're led to believe that that transmitter somehow gets some type of identifier of the person that you're trying to track so they must have gotten something from the child i i don't know Better not go down that road, Curtis. How, yeah, how did he, how did he, yeah, like, yeah, I guess maybe we'll find all that out eventually, like how he just ended up in that. Yeah, how, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. So, um, so Mando f- thinks that he's completed his mission and um, has found a Jedi to hand the child over. Um, and I thought they did that very well because, you know, it's kind of like, oh, mission complete, you know, kid, you know, time to offload the kid, but then you can kind of tell that he 
doesn't want to because of the attachment that they've had. And also Ahsoka said he didn't want to, he didn't want to train Grogu because of the attachment that he has to Mando. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good. You know, there's a reason to keep them together, even though they found a Jedi. So on with the story. Um, I thought they did a great job and a lot of great scenes and she looks great. Like, it was mm-hmm. very convincing. Like I, it wasn't like, Oh, it's you remember, you remember how back in the, in the seventies and eighties, when they try to transplant something from cartoon to the, to live action. And it's just like, what are you guys thinking? My, my, my earliest memory is the um, captain America TV show. Yeah. Like I, I, I remember watching it for the first time going, did you not look at the comic? <laughs> Yeah, there there was there was some bad ones. Uh, some of them weren't as bad. I thought I thought the uh, the the Bill Bixby Lou Ferrigno Hulk show did a oh, decent sure. job. Um, kept that kept the purple pants or whatever. So let, let's talk a few things about the episode. A bit of a bit of bizarre fan service in um, where Ahsoka she fights the ultimate bad guy in the episode and reveals that Ahsoka is still on the quest to find Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn, which you would only know if you watched the Rebels um, cartoon, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure would have horribly confused a bunch of people who never saw Rebels and had them Googling at the end of uh, uh, the episode. But fine. I... I know fanboys everywhere are hoping that they'll see Grand Admiral Thrawn in The Mandalorian. I hope not, and I don't think so. I think this was just one of those name drops and get the fans all riled up. I don't think they'll. I don't think there's going to be a payoff if that's what folks are hoping for. Mm, probably not this season. No, I, <laughs> I hope not. Um, but uh, one one thing I want to point out about the episode, um, another guest, another famous guest star, other than Rosario Dawson, is Michael Bean. So he achieves sci-fi triple crown with this uh, role in Star Wars because Michael Bean, as people know, he plays Kyle Reese in The Terminator. And he also plays um, Sergeant Hicks in The Alien uh aliens the second uh so the man the man's hit a high high benchmark in terms of uh fandom that's right that's a that, that that's a pretty good sci-fi trifecta i that, was trying to think off, off the top of my head about someone else who's hit that like and i i'm sure i'm sure like if you did enough research you could come up with someone but i can't off the top of my head uh yeah i think you and i were talking like Harrison Ford, but Harrison Ford's hit, you know, many marks because you know he's he's actor extraordinary. He's indie and he's Han Solo. Mic drop. <laughs> uh, but every but everyone else, um not to the success of all those movies I mentioned. Like Terminator. We're talking Terminator <laughs> mm-hmm. and Aliens, right? Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. and those are three very different sci-fi. Uh, pillars, if you will. So I, yeah. I say, chapeau to Michael Bean. I did not recognize him at all until no. the showdown with Mando at the end. I was like, oh, oh my god, it's him, isn't it? And, yeah, he's not so pretty anymore. Um, but uh, I like what they've been doing with the hand picking of the guest stars. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's 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 uh it's been pretty exciting kind of seeing oh who's going to be in this week's episode, um yeah you know. there's been some good ones Bill Burr, Timothy mm-hmm. Oliphant, uh, yep, Katie Sackhoff of uh, Battlestar Galactica fame, yep, um, Werner Herzog man, yep, uh, Ming Na Wen, you know. Yeah, she been... she's is she is her character is she still in she uh agent um agents of shield uh, is that that's where she I, is in I, right yeah i don't know like i think that show has just finished or is finishing its last season okay i haven't watched it in so long i think um, she's still in it but uh the episode is you know not without its controversy like i said earlier um 
about the whole Yaddle thing. <laughs> sorry, sorry, the Grogu thing, but I want to talk about the Yaddle thing. So uh, there's an article that came out um, that basically was demanding justice for Yaddle. So um, just to just to catch people up, Yaddle is this obscure background character. In fact, no lines, no nothing. But Yaddle is in Phantom Menace and is sitting on the Jedi Council. Um, and she is another of species uh, Yoda kind. Um, and Ahsoka has a line in the Mandalorian said that she only knew one other being like this, and it was Yoda, right? Name drop Yoda. But poor Yaddle gets shoved aside. Put some respect on that name. <laughs> she wasn't on the Jedi Council for nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, in fact, I, I, I might have to add Yaddle to my um, list of Star Wars B characters I'm collecting. Um, but my, my, my first, uh, um, my first one on my list on the Jedi Council is Yarl Poof. And Yarl Poof, which one? Yarl Poof is that uh, alien with the really long neck and the pea head. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> What was the name of the one with the the, the really long head? Ki Adumandi. Ki Adumandi. And then yeah. was there Kit Fisto? Is that Kit, the, Kit Fisto. Sort of like Kit Fisto is guy? like the, uh, yeah, it's like another aquatic looking creature. Yeah. Um, who uh, in the Genosian battle got some decent screenplay, but. Uh, That's right. But but Sidious takes him out with one blow <laughs> when they go to arrest him. <laughs> oh, poor Kit Fisto. Um, yeah. So I I'm I'm interested to see where Mando takes it because it's only three more episodes left in the season. So that's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to it, see. It seems like it seems like it's just like ten weeks goes by so fast. Oh, or it's eight weeks. Sorry, it's eight eight. eight yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This goes by so fast. Um, one more Star Wars bit of news uh, before we 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 cut over. Um, George still won't let it go. Uh, there's a recent article where Lucas um, reminds us that Greedo shot first. Just to let you know, Curtis. In mm-hmm. case you were wondering, mm-hmm. in case you were doubting, he so, wants you. He wants to continue reminding you that. Greedo shot first. So that version of Star Wars I watched in 1977 with my dad was a lie. Where Greedo <laughs> clearly did not shoot. Well, maybe it's an artifact of being on film and not digitally re-enhanced. Um, <laughs> everyone knows about this. So uh, has, it, has the new version been out for 20 years? So 20 years ago... Um, a special edition of of a new hope or the original all three original series came out added some bits and pieces uh to the to the movie basically kind of flexing the ILM's technology for the most part they were somewhat distracting some scenes were okay I'll give you that that's kind of cool but uh one of the things that they put in was um and Lucas apparently never liked this from the original cut of the movie was the fact that it looks like Han Solo kills Greedo in cold blood. So he decides to quote unquote fix this. Um, and I didn't realize how many versions of the fix actually exist. So the one I remember is, yeah, there's this awkward Greedo shooting and then Han retaliating, but mm-hmm. Greedo misses him, even though he's point blank range. Mm-hmm. But Greedo shoots horribly off to the side. So apparently a second version of that came out where they actually shift Han mm-hmm. to make it look like he dodged it, I guess. Yeah, but it just doesn't look natural. <laughs> um, and then apparently for the Disney Plus release, um, they fixed it, quote unquote, I have to see it for myself. I only read about it where they shoot at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Greedo still Greedo's miss- missing from point blank range. Well, I have to see. I have to. Yeah, exactly. I have to see it. I have to see it again, but uh, or see this version. But it's just uh, George. Just let it go. It's mm-hmm. okay. Because you and I were talking about the big uh, at the top of the show or about why it was almost un- why it was unnecessary because it it as a kid and even as an adult you don't leave watching that scene with the impression that Han is a cold-blooded killer. No. He's he's protecting himself living as a smuggler on the outer rim, you know? Like, you gotta... You know, if you're gonna get into trouble, you gotta get yourself out of it. And that's, and that's what he does. He's being threatened with death. And he deals with it before it's a problem. Well, that's and that's the thing that I I don't know if Lucas really paid attention to even the script because it's in the conversation it's clear that Greedo was not like gonna let Han leave alive, mm-hmm. right? It was the the line is um, uh, J- Jabba will maybe only you owe a lot of money to Jabba. Sorry, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You owe a lot of money to Jabba. You'd be lucky if he only takes your ship. And then Han goes over my over my dead body. Yeah. And then and he and then Greedo goes, Well, that's exactly the point. And he goes yeah. and then he says, I've been looking forward to this for a long time or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. And then Han just un goes, I I bet you have, and then like unloads on him. Yeah. Which Yeah, like he's def- it's not like it's not like Greedo's a sympathetic character. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, well, maybe, maybe he has. I don't know. Maybe Greedo has a wife and two kids, and you know, being a bounty hunter is how he was providing for his kin. I don't know. Sure, yeah. I don't know. You don't. You don't get a lot of Greedo's backstory. Maybe you do in the extended universe books, which I stopped reading when they started getting really ridiculous. Maybe there's a Star Greedo. Wars a Greedo story. A a Greedo, story. Greedo a Star Wars story. Yeah, yeah, it could be. But uh, you know, then and there. You know, you don't really have any feelings toward him whatsoever. So when Han wastes him, you're just like, well, he was in Han's way. And threatened to kill him. And take his ship. Yeah, and take his ship. That ship made the Kessel Run. Just let it go. Just let it go, George. (laughs) No one cares. Really? He has has trouble letting things like that go. Like, he really really just can't stop. I'm, I'm sure right now at Skywalker Ranch, he's still tinkering with them just... Just for his own benefit, like no one's no one's gonna see them, and you know, until like maybe one day they unearth the the George Lucas lost tapes or something. But I bet he's still like, still like fidgeting with size snoodles, singing like auto tuning size snoodles, or putting some reverb on Max Rebo's keyboard, or you know, just he just can't he just can't let it well enough alone. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's let's leave Star Wars. So, looking forward to next week's Mando. See where it takes them. Um, want to talk about gaming? Uh, I have two things I want to talk about before I let you talk about the PS Five. And I got this email early in the week um, from the fine folks at Time Play. So, Time Play is the um, movie trivia app. Tied to your scene card, you earn scene rewards for showing up to the movie a little earlier. You can play some online trivia on this movie screen with your phone. So I guess they've been engineering a home version. And this Thursday, this past Thursday, was the first live game. It's pretty cool. They had uh, what, uh, I think they had about six pods. You had to join a specific pod. Uh, A pod contained... 500 people um and then you played it just like if you were at home you you have a second screen which i projected onto my tv which is the person telling the the um uh the questions and then you answered on your phone um and you earn scene points i thought it was pretty fun it was super short obviously they weren't going to do much and they're not going to give away too much scene points because it in a way it's still currency um but uh, anyone who has a time play or enjoyed time play, they should give it a try. Thursdays at eight. Um, don't need any more. Then make sure your time play app is updated and you can play in front of your laptop. Um, I projected it onto my TV, so you know, 
the whole family can uh, help me out. Almost got some scene points, Curtis. I think I finished <laughs> in the end. I think I finished thirteenth. I was eighth at the highest. I was was eighth, and then I got the bring it on question wrong, which mm-hmm. was movies that took place in university. And I, I thought bring it on was in university because of the cheerleading, but uh, it's hard to remember sometimes. Yeah, um, Curtis, you ever played time play when you went to the theater at all? Uh, I never played. I never didn't have the app. Or anything. Oh, okay. I think uh, uh, I had some friends who would who had the app, so I, I would just like guess the. Oh, just shout out, yeah, just, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it is worth doing if you you know want want to do some trivia and have the added bonus of getting some scene points, and, mm. you know, renting something from the Cineplex store while the while cinemas are closed. You can still use those scene points to get something from the. Uh, cineplex store and watch it on your tv at home mm, too funny it's good um i uh picked up a new game for playstation vr i seem to be talking a lot more about the vr games i think those the only i thought just because it's interesting for the f- format since it's probably going to be a bit of the future i picked up doctor who edge of time mm-hmm. on playstation vr it's a it's a more of a puzzle game um the doctor who is voiced by jody whittaker has been captured and but she is the narrator and guides and guide and guides you through it the game um the first puzzle wasn't too bad because you just basically had to be thorough looking at clues in the room to get a uh, a combination for the guy's safe um and of course, inside the safe is uh, Jody Jody Breaker's, um, uh sonic screwdriver. So now you have a sonic screwdriver armed with you. And um, I was able to retrieve the TARDIS, and then you have to do another puzzle in TARDIS to get it moving. So that's fine. Curtis, what I realize is, man, this game is way too hard for me. I got to the next level, no clue how to do the puzzle. And it was a basic, you know, um complete the circuit like plug this one here and plug this one here so basically it was like a grid of i think it was uh uh it might be a 10 by 10 grid with a whole bunch of plugs and you had three cables that you had to plug and you had to determine where where each one would go to activate this elevator there's drawings on this cave i had no idea what i was looking at i was like Maybe if I take that one and overlay it on top of this other one, I had no idea. Like I, I had, I, ta- I, plus I was getting a, a, you know, the VR stuff is still like, it's not, the graphics are good, but it's not clear enough where, you know, prolonged use. I was like, oh, I'm starting to get a headache here. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I need to tap out. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I had to, I had to like, <laughs> say i did like okay internet tell me how to do this puzzle and when when i heard when i saw the the answer i looked at the drawings for the clues i went i still have no idea how how i was supposed to get this configuration based on what i saw the <laughs> so sec the, is it like a big is it almost like being in a big escape room like a big virtual escape room um yes the puzzles are all so far you that's that's a perfect way of describing it each one of them is like an escape room type thing. So I managed to escape Earth um, in the TARDIS. <laughs> so that was, I finished that one. So the second puzzle was this thing was on a planet and I couldn't activate the elevator. Once I get through the elevator, I'm on this bridge of the ship that has these lasers, which I have to refract and reflect to open a door to the bridge. Uh, I'm stuck. I couldn't, I, I was just <laughs> like, I'm done. I, I, I had to take the helmet off because I was just like, this is too much for me. Yeah. It's too demoralizing that I have to two puzzles in a row. I have to go and cheat and find some internet junkie who wrote some kind of fact, but yeah. it's, it was tough. And, you know, it looks good. And if you're a doctor who fan, I think you'd really enjoy it, but man, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's to the point where you're just like, you know, my, my time is too valuable. <laughs> just just uh, you know 
I'm going to just use the internet. Like, this is just, I'll t- you know, I'll give it three tries. And if I can't do a third try, my time is just too valuable. <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, I'll, I'll give it a proper review after I get a little further into it. But it's it's fun. It looks okay, but it's it's god awfully tough. But what I want to hear more about, Curtis, is now you've had a chance. You've had the PS5 for, has it been about a, uh, about two weeks now? Yeah, weeks now? two weeks. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, it, so the, 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 the downsides, I guess, um, are the price. Obviously, it's going to be expensive. That's to be expected, I think, if you want to be on the leading edge of console gaming. You know, if you want to get the systems first you're gonna pay you know top top dollar for them so yeah it's over six hundred dollars for the full unit that includes the uh, ultra hd blu-ray uh drive and then probably you could save about a hundred 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 fifty bucks if you get the media own like the uh, uh download media only version um and it's big like it's a uh, it's a beast. This thing, like I think it's the biggest console that Sony's ever come up with. Because the PS4 was relatively streamlined, um, especially compared to the original PS3, which was also kind of a bit unwieldy. But the PS5 is is a big unit, so you have to be prepared for that. You can you can have it in either tower configuration or you can have it in a horizontal configuration. Um, but it's going to take up some space. But probably the, those two points are not that they're not going to be a game game, uh, or they're not going to they're not going to uh, be a uh, like a breaking point for anyone who really wants this system. Like you know, you're going to put up with that kind of stuff. You, so yeah, you're probably, you're probably going to put up in the tower for the most part i take it because if you lay it flat it probably the footprint on any shelf is going to be massive whether you're by the way you're describing it right yeah i think most people will probably use it in tower you know i'm actually using it and in i figured out a way to get it into the shelf um and i don't because because the the situation i have the tower doesn't really work that well okay but for most people i think it would um but the good the good parts about it are obviously the graphics. Uh, it's a huge upgrade for me because um, I didn't have a PS4 Pro. I had a like the launch PS4, so I didn't get to play my games in 4K resolution. You know, I was playing it at uh, 1080 um, resolution, and uh, so so you know you get you get the jump to 4K. Plus, you get you know the the ray tracing, which you know was always considered uh, you know too difficult to do for sort of moving images and stuff in the past. But now they've they've kind of clocked it. So uh, not every game supports it, but the games that support it, like the Miles Morales uh, PlayStation, play the the PS5 version of Miles Morales, like his his Venom powers that are all bioelectric, look amazing with this. Mm. Um, but for me, the number one thing w- more than the graphics for me personally is the speed, like load times are just cut like, like that, like they're, they're cut down to pretty much nothing. Oh, and, uh, love that. that to me is, uh, is, is huge, especially like, you know, cause I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on it and, uh, you know, you're, you're loading in massive like maps you know like like big environments and when i played odyssey on the ps4 i remember just you know if you if you did a fast travel or if you died or the first time you loaded up just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for that to get resolved and now with this game it's just like you know it's not instantaneous but like it's like two or three seconds compared to like you know 60 70 seconds so so yeah that's a good plus yeah, controller. Oh, the con- yeah, and the controller is cool. I like the controller a lot. The uh, the Dual Sense, so it's a pretty big um, aesthetic change from the Dual Shock, which you know PlayStation has favored in one version or another since kind of since, since the, the, the first one, very yeah. first one, yeah. 
Um, so now, you know, it's more like it's more clean lines. Uh, it's got a bit more heft to it. Uh, so the default one is like a, a much like the console itself is a white and black sort of two tone uh, style, but it's got, you know, it's got the haptic feedback. So the feedback, like when you, when you're playing Spider-Man and you've got the spider senses going, uh, like it feels a bit more realistic uh, than just like, you know, you know, like the dual shock, you'd have the vibration on, you could, you could hear the thing rattling, like within the, with it, within the controller, almost mm-hmm. like, like this feels a bit more um, organic, if you will, like, like the feedback's much better. Um, the, uh, the thing that I like, uh, which is kind of a very small thing, but for me, it's a nice quality of life change because like, you know, the touchpad i'll i'll be eating cheetos or whatever and then i'll want to play a game and i'll use the touchpad and i'll smudge the hell out of it so now the touchpad is covered so you don't have that problem anymore smudge proof smudge proof uh, touchpad so so when when you say it's covered do you have to like remove the cover or no no it's just like instead of like like actually touching um instead of touching like a, a different like that like 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 right on the pad you're touching okay. it's almost like 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 there's a bit of con- like it's the same material as the controller but it's kind of over the pad so you touch on you touch on that and then it okay registers on the pad hmm i don't know how it is for like tracing on the pad but for just pushing the pad for stuff okay it's, it, it, it works really well and, and it doesn't get gross I, I know you don't play it, but I know it uses the ray tracing as well, and I hear the graphics are quite good. Like a big upgrade is uh, is Fortnite is um, it gets it gets a big push for it on PS Five. Oh, I have to check um, it out. Which which if you if you have an account, it might be worthwhile. But you know, um, it'll it'll happen during when both of us are at work. But this Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern is the Galactus event. So Galactus will actually land on the island. And this is the first live event where you're not apparently just sitting back and just watching. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, the, the 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 messaging that you're getting from Epic Games is, you know, everyone's got to come and join and defend the island. So could be kind of interesting might be worthwhile checking it out and then seeing on the horsepower of the ps5 would be really cool too yeah because yeah, if you haven't sure. seen it since you know wherever you played it last i think yeah, it'd be I think pretty impressive it was on the switch so it'd be quite a difference oh then if the, if you <laughs> if you only saw it on the switch then it will be huge right yeah oh maybe i'll check that out okay well you know it's it's might be worthwhile just to yeah. give you another because they they it it does look different like they they had a launch trailer and everything for when it got announced. And mm-hmm. when I saw the graphic difference, I was like, whoa. And the YouTubers that have, that are streaming the game, they're, they're also showing the difference. And it's like, there's some fun things that they do. Like obviously real time reflection from the ray tracing was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know how I'll, I'll have to wait till March. So you, you keep me, keep me posted on how, how much mileage you're getting out of it or, and whether or not you've turned on your PS4 yeah. since. Yeah. I think that would be the big telltale sign. <laughs> All right, Curtis, thank you so much. Um, remember everybody that you can catch us on Spotify. Just look up the existentialist cucumber and also on iTunes, where you can leave a little rating for us, leave some comments, but more importantly, if you can leave us a little five star on it. I don't know if Curtis, if you noticed, we actually got our first five star, and it's not, it wasn't from me. It wasn't from me. Oh. Wow! <laughs> it That's starts. Awesome. It starts there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, Joe, Joe Rogan. Watch your back. That's right. That's right. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. And just remember that sometimes a cucumber is just a cucumber.